Uh, but hey, uh, we want to turn our eyes now to God's Word. If you have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. If you want to pull it up on a phone or a device, just get God's Word in front of you here. And uh, today, I, I, we're, we're stepping out of our series in Ephesians, as I told you we would, because this is a special day for us. This is a day where we get one opportunity to have a first day in a place we've been calling Ascending Base. And, and I just it's just like, what should we be talking about on this first day to set the tone for what God desires to see happen in this place. And, and I want to start with a, a story. A few years ago, I drove downtown Indianapolis to meet with a pastor. He was in his 70s. And about 10 years before I met this pastor, he had moved, God had called him to move from a ministry in West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, to a, a poor neighborhood in the city of Indianapolis. And, and when I met him, he had been faithfully doing ministry. And when I say pouring his life and his ministry into this neighborhood, like that is an understatement. He'd just been faithful for a decade to pour his life and ministry into this small neighborhood here. And, and uh, as they would gather on Sundays, they would meet in this house and there'd be about 12, 15 folks that would gather uh, each Sunday. And, and so after a decade of ministry, you have 12 to 15 people gathering in a living room. And, and, and I, say this, I say this respectfully, but Outreach Magazine wasn't calling to do stories on the ministry. And he wasn't doing any keynote speaking at the trendy church planting conferences. And yet the more I sat with this pastor in his 70s who had uprooted from West Lafayette and moved into this inner city neighborhood and had poured his life into it, you could sense... That, those, that though those people might not be calling, God was deeply pleased with this man, deeply pleased with his faithfulness, deeply pleased with how he had poured his life into his ministry into this neighborhood. And so the more I got to know him, the more I mustered up the courage, and I, would kinda, I was kind of like not asking this question directly, but kind of hinting around it, and he knew what I was asking. And, but, I, but basically, the heart of my question was, how are you doing? You know, after a decade of pouring your life into a place, you have 12, 15 folks gathering in a living room on Sundays. I, I know, you know, I'm you know, late 20s at the time, I'm talking to him, I'm like, I know I, I could be discouraged by that. How are you doing? And he smiled and he gave an answer and it literally changed my ministry life. And I, I'm not, that's not an overstatement, it did. He said, with a smile on his face, it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. And that's all he needed to say. I knew exactly what he was saying. He knew exactly what he was saying. God had called him a decade before to leave West Lafayette and pour his life into a poor inner city neighborhood. And all that mattered to him is that he was being faithful to that call. Those words don't originate with my friend Walt. He was quoting what we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He was quoting something that uh, the Apostle Paul had written about his ministry. And yet, as uh, we were coming to this day, and over the last few weeks, I'm like, what do I preach? What do I preach? What do I preach? These words of 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 2, that we see in God's word and that I heard from my friend Walt, they kept reverberating in my mind. And it's like, as we gather today to celebrate, I want to give us a celebratory charge, if I can, 
to make sure that one day we as a church family can stand with a smile on our face and say, it's required of a steward that we were found faithful. And listen, we were found faithful with what God had entrusted to us. That's the hope for today. And so what I want to do in, in our time is I, I quickly just want to walk through kind of two parts of this message. In part one, here's what we need to do. We need to under, have an understanding of what faithful stewardship is. What does it even mean to be a faithful steward? And then in part two, we want to get, gain an understanding of what faithful stewardship of this sending base looks like. And so we're going to ask for God's help to do that. Pray with me and we'll get into it. Father, we just pray that you would uh, allow us to be faithful, Lord. We are so deeply thankful and we celebrate today over your faithfulness to us. And now, Lord, we want to return that. Uh, we want to take what you have given us that is ultimately yours. And we just want to lay it back at your feet and say, Lord, we want to be faithful to do the things that you've called us to do. And so, God, would you use your word today to move us to that end? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so part one, we need to have an understanding of what is faithful stewardship. Now, uh, before I get us into 1 Corinthians 4, we need to understand something. We, as a church, uh, spend most of our time working our way right through books of the Bible. We're working through Ephesians as a church right now. We start at the beginning. We take a, pa you know, a passage at a time. We make our way right through it. We come all the way to the end. And the advantage of this is as we're studying God's Word, we're able to learn the context. We're able to, as we come to a passage in the Bible, understand how that interacts with the whole book and, and understand based on the context of the book what is being said at that passage. On days like today, we're, we're jumping midstream into a letter. And so uh, just as, uh, you know, I say this often when we have Sundays like this, just as you wouldn't go to the mailbox and pull out a letter and flip to the, the second page and start reading there, you'd start at the beginning. We need to have some context of what's going on in this letter that Paul is writing to a group of Christians in a city called Corinth. Paul, when he would write to these people, you often find him having to correct, having to, okay, guys, guys, no, 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 don't think like that, or no, 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 don't live like that. You find him correcting in his letters to the Corinthians often. And as we come to uh, chapter four, I actually want us to look back one chapter earlier to get a feel of the context of the correcting that Paul's doing here. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 3, verse one begins like this. He says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. And even now you are not re yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? And so Paul's addressing an issue here. The, the eyes of the Corinthians, so to speak, have come off of Jesus as ultimate leader, supreme king of kings, and they've gone on to these human leaders. And you got some of the church saying, hey, we, we follow Paul over here. And others are like, fine, you follow Paul. We follow Apollos. And, and, and Paul's like, guys, what are you doing? Lift your eyes back up to the one who ultimately is leading his church. And he says in verse five of chapter three, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? And what's the next word? Servants. Servants. 
servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. Paul's like, we are merely servants. Get your eyes off us. Get your eyes on Jesus. And this is the context that he's addressing as we come to the beginning of chapter 4, which is going to lead us to these beautiful words that serve the crux of what we're focusing on today. So 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1 says this. This is how one should regard us as what? What's it say? As servants of who? As servants of Christ and, next word, and stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God. And so we get this awesome vantage point of how Paul views his ministry. Paul has this high, high, high view of God, and he says, we are merely servants. We are servants of Christ. And this idea is not unique to just the letter uh, of 1 Corinthians. Paul writes this all the time. He calls himself a bondservant of Christ all over his writings. But there's this second picture he uses to describe. It says we are servants and we are, we are stewards, stewards of the mysteries of God. Paul understood that as a servant, he was simply to steward what Jesus had entrusted him to do for his ministry. And, and, and it's important for us to understand what, what does stewardship mean? As we want to steward what God has entrusted to us as a church, what does stewardship mean? And so uh, steward, to be a steward is this. A steward is those having responsibility and authority to care for what another ultimately owns. A steward is someone who has responsibility and authority to care for what another ultimately owns. And so as Christians, one of the things we are taught throughout the Bible is that we are to, to have a stewardship perspective on how we view our life. All of us in the room walk in today with areas we are called to steward. Things that we don't ultimately own but things that God has entrusted to us to care for, to manage. Uh, many of us walk in here today with vocational callings, with jobs. And certainly, yes, we work for the place that signs our check. But even more than that, we work for the Lord. And we're to steward that vocational calling that God has given us. Many of us walk in here as parents. And it's important as parents that we remember our kids are ultimately whose? They're God's. And God has entrusted to us an unbelievable privilege and hard challenge at times, right, of stewarding that calling of bringing our kids up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Uh, often you'll hear teaching on stewardship as it pertains to possessions or property. Everything that we have is ultimately God's, and he's given it to us as stewards that we would manage it well. And the same is true of what we have been entrusted with here as a church, this ministry tool that we have been referring to for years now as ascending base. That when we leave here today and you look back at the building, you're gonna see here when you pulled up today, you saw Redeemer Bible Church. But whose is this ultimately? This is God's. And if this is God's, then we need to understand how do we be faithful as stewards to what the owner wants to see happen in this place? Now, you look back 
at what it says in verse 2. What we've been talking about, what was quoted to me by my pastor friend, and what Paul writes here that's so important for us today. It says, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found what? So stewards are required. What does required mean? Have to, love it. Required means have to. Required means just do it. We are required by God if we are stewards to be found faithful. Uh, faithful, to be found faithful, very simply it means to be reliable. To be reliable as the owner determines and defines what reliable is. How does God define reliable? One of the ways that I was processing this week that helped me is, is to think about it like this. Faithfulness is about obeying what God says to do, when God says to do it, how God wants it done, with the right motives for why God wants it done. That's a lot, isn't it? But this is what faithfulness looks like. It's not only a matter of obeying what, it's obeying what when God says to do it. So if God says now, we go now. And not only what and when, but God cares about how we do it. He wants us to do the right things in the right way. And then God doesn't only care that our hands and our actions look like that we want to please God. He cares about our hearts, that our heart's motive for why we're doing it is right before him. And so another way to summarize that really big statement is this, is that faithful stewards do the work God wants done in the ways God wants it done. Faithful stewards do the work God wants done in the ways God wants it done. And I want to talk about that word work. Faithful stewards are to do the work that the owner says to do. Uh, it's fitting that over, for over a year now, on this site right here, that we're standing in, or sitting in an air-conditioned, beautiful room, there's been a lot of work going on. There's been a lot of hard hats here. And dirt's been moved and concrete walls have gone up and steel girders have gone across and all of this work that you see on these walls and around us, you like, this, was, this, was, this happened because of the hard hats that were on site here. But what I don't want us to miss out is that the work that happens on this site is not done, it's just beginning. That all of us are bringing our ministry hard hats. I actually thought about, like, could we just order, you know, 1,200 hard hats and have it today? We're bringing our ministry hard hats to the ministry work that God has called to happen in this place. That he's given us a tool for the work he's called us to. Many of us know this saying, a right tool for the right, a right tool for the right job. How many of you have done a hard job with a wrong tool before, right? Early on in our marriage, I was putting a vanity in our downstairs bathroom, and I needed to, I needed to cut out a, a part of this wooden vanity to get it around some of the plumbing there, and I didn't have a right saw for this, and so I looked around and I saw a utility knife. I popped that razor blade out, and I started going to town on a wooden vanity with a, a utility knife. Now, to her credit, my like 21-year-old bride at the time was like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> to not my credit, I said, we'll be fine. 
And sure enough, a few minutes right after she said that, razor blade snaps right into my left hand, blood all over her kitchen, right? She's, and to her credit, she didn't say, I told you so, right, either. All of us know the pain of doing a, 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 a job with the wrong tools. God has given us a tool today. It's a sending-based tool. And now it's up to us as a ministry to steward what he's called us to. And so in part two, we just got to have an understanding today of what does faithful stewardship of this sending base look like? What does faithful stewardship of this place ultimately look like? Now, here's the good news for us. And again, we've said this for months and years. Nothing about the work he's called us to changes. You with me? The work's the same. Whether we were meeting as a small group of people in a living room, or when we moved to a classroom up the interstate at Indiana Wesleyan, or when we had our first Sunday in the school right across the football field here, or whether we're sitting in this place today, the mission has not changed. And the mission is to glorify God by making disciples. What is this, what, what are we doing here? Why in the world do you set your alarm on a Sunday morning and get up and come here? Because we want to see God glorified. We want his glory to radiate. This is all about him. And how is he glorified? He is glorified as disciples of Jesus Christ are made. That's the task God has given us. We didn't, and I've said this many times throughout our history, when this church was starting, we didn't get a bunch of whiteboards out and figure out like, what's the mission of our church going to be? You turn to Matthew 28 and you look at what Jesus says. There it is. Go and make disciples of all nations. Boom. Let's get to that work. And so now, with another tool that God has given us in our ministry tool belt, so to speak, how do we seek to fulfill that mission? Well, we've been saying as a church, the way we talk about what a disciple of Jesus is, is, is these people living what we call 4W lives. That disciples of Jesus worship Christ and walk with Christ and work for Christ and witness for Christ. We spent a whole series this last spring just coming to a common definition of when we talk about making disciples, what are we talking about? And as we sit in here today, the prayer is that we would steward this place to see people come into a 4W life as worshipers, walkers, workers, witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how do we frame this conversation of stewardship around these four W's? What does it look like for us to use this place as a place that is leading people to worship Jesus? Uh, when you walk through these doors out in the lobby, uh, above you, there's a sign, two words. It says worship center. What is this place? It's a worship center. Pastor DJ was right. What's the goal of your worship center? To worship, to worship, to worship. We want Jesus lifted high. We want to walk in here. When, when, when God's people gather and they sing to the Lord as scripture commands us to sing to the Lord, God is glorified and yet something else has happened in that we are mutually encouraged by the worship of the body of Christ in such a way 
that when we then leave here and when we walk back out into a world that's all vying for our worship, there's something that has been refreshed in us every week when we've gathered to say, no, 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 that can't have my worship because Jesus is better. Jesus is higher. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus gets my worship. This must be a house of worship. This must be a place where the name of Jesus is lifted high, not only in our generation, but in the generations and generations and generations that follow. That no matter you know, how bad culture gets around us, that this place right here would be a place we gather and lift high the name of Jesus in such a way that he's lifted high on Sundays. But then the echoes of that worship spread out as we go back to our neighborhoods and back to our workplaces and back to interacting with those God has put in our life. It's gotta be a place of worship. When we talk about worship, we're talking about the response of praise and adoration to God because of who God is. There's something that happens here when we gather for worship. Well, um, how do we steward this place to help people in their walk with Jesus? When we talk about walk around here, we're talking about the daily rhythm of abiding in Christ that leads to increasing Christ-likeness. How do we help people grow in their walk with Jesus? Uh, true or false, Jesus wants more disciples. True. True or false, Jesus wants deeper disciples. True. We want to see more people come to Christ, people who don't even know him right now. We're going to talk about that at the end. But Jesus also wants to see people growing in their walk with him, deepening in their walk, learning in a deeper way what it means to follow him, what it means to obey him, growing in an understanding. This has got to be a place that as we gather, we're equipped as disciples, where the word of God is preached, where people are fed from it. And where we can in turn go and help those who are younger in the faith faith be fed from it as well. Uh, Not only for us, but across this lobby right now is a whole army of kids and a whole army of kids workers. And they're not just watching our kids while we're worshiping in here. They're worshiping over there. And they have God's word open in front of them. And they're memorizing scripture and they're hearing the gospel so that they in their little heads and little hearts can learn what it means to abide with Jesus. And then uh, tonight, we're all going to leave here and a whole flock of student ministry is going to come and fill this place. And a bunch of teenagers are going to gather in that room and they're going to open God's word and they're going to lift high the name of Jesus and they're going to learn how to walk with Jesus through their teenage years. And then Wednesday night, a whole mass of young adults are going to fill this place and they're going to learn all these same things. This has to be a place. We have to steward this place, that this is a place and this will be a church where people can come and learn how to deepen their walk with Jesus Christ. So how do we steward? This is a place of worship. How do we steward this as a place to help people in their walk? How do we steward this so people know how to work for the Lord Jesus? When we talk about work around here, what we mean is this. It's the stewardship of all God has given me to lovingly and sacrificially serve the body of Christ. And so every single one of us in this room who know Jesus Christ as our Savior have been given gifts from God to serve the body. And so how does this become a place 
where the body of Christ is being built up and we are serving one another with the things that God has given to us. How does that lobby become a place of some of the most powerful ministry of the week? What, what would that even look like? That so often, right, we can see the lobby as a place we like talk and have small talk and wait until we come in here and we worship. But what does God want us to use that lobby for? How do we steward that? How do we steward it in such a way where there's deep and transparent conversations about life happening? Uh, before the church ever started, Erica said to me, she's like, hey, can we just plant a real church? And I'm like, well, I think that's what we're trying to do. And she's like, no, no, no. Actual transparency, vulnerability, where we don't all have to show up and pretend like we got it all together, but we can actually say, I'm struggling with some stuff. I need some help with that stuff. All in favor of a church like that? And all of us know the struggle of how easy it is to just put on the plastic front and not have that. But if we're gonna have that, stuff's gonna get shared in that lobby. And that's gotta be a place where we're ministering to one another. We're doing the work of the body to minister to one another. We're stopping and praying over people right there. I just lost my job this week. We're ministering in the moment, but then we're not only ministering in the moment, you're like, okay, Lord, you've entrusted that knowledge to me now this week. What am I supposed to do this week with that knowledge? How do I follow up this week? How do I help this week? And we're actually bearing one another's burdens, doing the work of the body. Another person says, I just got a promotion. And they're rejoicing. How do we rejoice with them in the moment? And how do we follow up into a week of rejoicing with them? This is what God wants for us. This is the ministry he's called us to, and this is a place, a tool he's entrusted to us to see that ministry happen. So how do we steward this as a place of worship and walk and work, and then how do we steward this as a place of witness? When we talk about witness, we're talking about the obedient love to those in my communities by consistently serving and sharing the gospel. So let's do a little pop quiz, a little pop quiz. If you were to guess, and I, want, I actually want you to yell out some answers here. Uh, if you were to guess how many people live within a 10-mile radius of where we're sitting right now, so 10 miles in every direction from 1360 Ray Crow Way, where we're at right now, how many people would you say live within those 10 miles? Shout out some answers. 100,000, good. 200,000. I feel like an auctioneer. 200, I got 200,000, I got 200. What else? What? Love it. Three something. A million. Love it. Going big. Go big or go home, right? Within 10 miles of where we're sitting right here at 1360 Ray Crow Way, 300,000 people. According to the University of Missouri's population tool, 300,000 people. 300,000 people, 300,000 people. You start to break down those 300,000 people and we just got asked the question, how many, of know, how many of them know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And then we look with our eyes to the Lord and we say, God, you've entrusted to us a responsibility with where you've placed us. May this be a place where the clear gospel goes forth. And as the clear gospel goes forth, that we all leave with, as carriers of the gospel back to our neighborhoods, back to our workplaces, back to our schools, back amongst our family, back amongst our friends, 
And we're going to see people who don't yet know the Lord come to know the Lord. Jesus is going to save people. And then as Jesus begins to save some of these masses, part of our witness calling is we got to have places to nurture them. And the place that God wants believers nurtured is called the church. It's why we planted Doxa Bible Church right up the road. And it's why, Lord willing, we'll plant more within this 10-mile circle. But it's not only the 10-mile circle. Why has God put us as a church at a, a city called the Crossroads of America? And why did he give us, give us, okay, give us, $100 an acre, give us, this land we're sitting on right here, on a main interstate? I believe in my heart of heart, it's because within five-hour drive of where we're sitting right here are 26 cities with uh, populations over 100,000 people. That we are going to get the joy of partnering with other churches to see more churches planted for his glory so that more lost people can be reached to the glory of God and so more people can grow in their walk with Jesus and so more people can work. You with me? Let's steward this to that end. Or the alternative, the alternative is that we can see that football field between us as the school as some figurative Jordan River and we can view this as having crossed over the Jordan River to the promised land and we can all get comfy, cozy, and coast to heaven. That sounds awful. (laughs) Who's with me? That sounds awful. We have been given a tool We've called it ascending base. Now let's steward it to that end of the glory of God. So that one day we can stand before the Lord with a smile on our face and say it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. God, you entrusted us with some awesomely exciting things in our generation and we believe we were faithful with what you've entrusted to us. Amen? Amen. Redeemer, stand to your feet. Let me pray and let's worship our way out of here. Father, that is our prayer. We pray that we are found faithful now, God. Lord, we are so thankful. Our hearts are filled with gratitude over what you've done. Lord, we sit here and we marvel at what you've done. That's the fulfillment of the promise that you said that you will build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, you've done a great work in our little local expression of your church called Redeemer Bible Church. And now, Lord, we want to be faithful with what you've given us. Lord, we don't want to just get comfy, cozy, and coast. We want to bring our ministry hard hats, and we want to steward the work that you've called us to. Eyes on you as we sang this morning, you at the center of it all. Jesus, lead us. This is yours. And we want to be faithful. We thank you so much. What an awesome day. And we pray all this in the power of your name. Amen.